Hi folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. I sure do appreciate y'all joining me, as always, giving me a little bit of your time. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, tell others about it, thank you. That is for sure one of the very best ways that the podcast grows is when y'all tell other people about it. For those of y'all that have started to financially support the podcast on Patreon and y'all are getting the two additional podcasts each week, thank you so much. I sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done that yet and you're thinking about it, um, I would be grateful for that as well. So, felt like there was some piece of farm news that I needed to share with you, and now I can't remember. So, it must not have been incredibly important. I will say that the pup and I are having had some conversations about whether the chickens and guineas are toys or not. (laughs) So, but she's learning. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you and your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the people that listen to the podcast and share it. Thank you for living in America for this wonderful country that you have blessed us with and all the resources and safety and security that you have blessed us with here. Thank you for those who went before us. Forgive us our sins, Lord, both nationally and individually. Forgive us when we reject your will, forgive us when we do not care for the least of these, when we abandon those who need us most. Guide us through the day. Help us to seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness first. Always help us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Help us to help those that have less than we do. Help us to help our country turn back to you. And again, please bless all those that listen today. And guide my words in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to move on from the last wills and testimonies, although there were quite a few others. And we'll certainly come back to that again at some point. And we're going to spend the next day or two talking about the history of liberty. Or rather, I should say, we're going to read some comments by some of our leaders about liberty and history and where it comes from and what it's tied to. And you really, anytime we talk about this, freedom, liberty, You have to go back 
I feel like almost to the declaration where it talks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all men are created equal, were endowed by their creator with unalienable rights. And so liberty, right? The second word there after life, which I can't help but throw this in. I've thought of it twice now, just in the last couple of minutes. So I'm going to go ahead. You know, the national sins, probably one of our two or three most egregious, and I would put it really close to rejection of God, which is by far the greatest, which is where everything else really spins from. But after that, feminism, which has really destroyed families across the country for decades and marriages and weakened our nation. And then abortion, which is the wholesale slaughter, murder of innocence. And I saw a little clip from a nationally known pastor recently. And he was talking about Pharaoh. Uh, and then you could talk about Herod too. And from the Bible, murdering all these children. Pharaoh looking for Moses. Herod looking for Jesus. But this pastor made the comment recently. said, you know, abortion's nothing. Or, or murdering babies is not new. Uh, it's been done throughout history. And under for different reasons, he said that Pharaoh did it because he was, or at least used the excuse. That's the way that this pastor phrased it. We make excuses to fit it, right? So Pharaoh was said that the Hebrew slaves were producing too much. They were overpopulating, right? Which is ironically a similar argument from what you get from the left today in the country about overpopulation. And then Herod, you know, fearful of losing power. That's why he went after all those babies and searched for Jesus. And you could kind of make that argument today as far as losing power if you're going to have more and more conservative children born to conservative families. But either way, this pastor really said, you know, the excuse today primarily is it has something to do with women's rights, with power. Uh, selfishness, self-interestedness, right? It's just an excuse. It's evil. It's demonic, truly. To make an excuse to murder a baby and then try and pretend, justify it, right? And he, you know, he said, of course, and it's it's sad that you have to say this, but people, especially people that aren't Christians, like to try and use the teachings of Christ to beat Christians up about it. And one of the ones they use is, well, you're just being judgmental, you know, especially when you hear the, the feminism or the LGBTQ nonsense. Well, you're just, you're being judgmental and you're not supposed to do that. It's not judgmental folks to acknowledge sin as sin. You start to pick on a particular person harshly that then it becomes judgmental. But if you're acknowledging that abortion is murder and it's wrong, that's just a statement of fact. If you're acknowledging that pretending men and women are the same is destructive, right? That men sleeping with men and women sleeping with women or men pretending to be women or women, women pretending to be men, that those are all destructive. 
and that the, the sexual acts are immoral, that's not judgmental. That's just repeating God's word. And so realize that, you know, he said we can, we can be caring toward those who have been touched by abortion. And in fact, in this country, everybody at some point, you've either been touched directly or indirectly by it because it's hurt our country so much. So even if it's not a direct impact in your family's life, it's, it's affected you. 64 million babies, it's impossible for it not to have affected you even indirectly. Uh, so that was the life. I got off on that, uh, but I thought about that a couple times. But we're gonna look at liberty. So let's look at a couple quotes here. This, one, this first one is by President Woodrow Wilson. 28th president of the United States. The history of liberty is the history of resistance. The history of liberty is a history of the limitation of governmental power, not the increase of it. When we resist the concentration of power, we are resisting the powers of death. Concentration of power precedes the destruction of human liberties. I've seen this in personal experience in a couple different careers. Um, I saw it in the Marine Corps. One of the things that made the Marine Corps function so well, I would argue better as a whole than the other branches, although there were certainly parts of the other branches that functioned that well. But it was decentralization. And, and, and then in those parts, this is the same reason why they functioned well decentralization of power. We pushed responsibility and power out as low as we could. So that very young Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps had a lot of responsibility and power. We did not centralize power in the Marine Corps. You have started to see it recently and you can see the destructive results. Um, and you can see the destructive results in Washington, D.C and in state capitals. When you start to centralize power, liberty fails. You cannot have liberty, which is why so many of these departments that have sprung up are so destructive. It's not in and of themselves, right? It's not just the fact that, oh, well, we, you know, we need to focus on education. Hey, that's great. But when you create a department of education and you centralize all that power, right? you start to destroy the liberties of the schools and thereby the teachers and the students. That's one of the things that makes programs like Common Core so destructive. When you have, everybody's got to do it this way. You have to follow these rules, right? In the Marine Corps, we gave them a result. Here's the result. This is what I want to happen. As a commander, this is my commander's intent. This is where I need you to be at the end of the day. You figure it out. And it's fascinating here that he talks about when we resist concentration of power, we are resisting the powers of death. Look at what's happened, what's coincided with concentration of power in the United States over the last 50 years. Abortion the wholesale slaughter. Look at what happened in the USSR. Look at what has happened in China. Look at what happened in North Korea. Look at what happened in Cuba. Look at what happened in Venezuela. Look at what is happening 
in the European countries. The more and more we go toward a totalitarian dictatorship, socialist communist regime, look at what happened in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. Again and again, when we concentrate power, we lose liberty. That's the history. And his first sentence, the history of liberty is the history of resistance. There's a proverb. Let me see. No, I don't think I can find it that quickly, folks. I'm sorry. But it talks about if you don't hold those back that are stumbling toward death, does not God see it? Does not God know it? What's in your heart? Even if we say, oh, I didn't know. You know, that, that mentality of live and let live only goes so far, folks. I, I, there was an analogy from C.S. Lewis in one of the, his books, and he, he said the problem with that really is it's like you're a bunch of ships in formation. And you say, oh, well, that ship over there, you know, yeah, they're doing something, and it's really messing up all their internal gears and running, but that's their ship. We don't have to worry about that. And he said, and that works great until that ship starts to go adrift and starts to run into other ships. And then the destruction and the chaos and the violence is great indeed. This perfect example, the LGBTQ lifestyle. You know, well, I don't care what they do in their bedroom. Yeah, and that's true to a certain extent. You're not going to go around, although we did used to have laws like this. Uh, and there's definitely an argument to be made that we were better off as a nation than we are today. But the problem is those relationships don't stay in the bedroom because those people start to bring their lack of morals, their lack of virtue, their lack of character outside of the bedroom, and it spreads to other areas, spreads to children. Look at what's going on with Drag Queen Story Hour in public libraries across the country. Look at what is being foisted upon our children in public education based on LGBTQ relationships across the country. And you can make the same argument for feminism. You can make the same argument for socialism, communism, uh, illegal immigration, all of those evil core values of the left. You can make the same argument, right? And so we have a responsibility, as Wilson said, to resist. That's a requirement. It's not an option. Oh, let me see if I can find this real quick. I do need to run through this. Oh, there is a Bible verse. And it tells us specifically, there we go, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You notice that all of these other countries that are moving towards socialism, communism, Nazism, fascism, leftism, they're all losing liberty. Well, what's happened in all of these countries prior to losing liberty? Rejection of God. You cannot have liberty without God. There's no way to have liberty and freedom. That's why our founders in the Declaration tied it to God. And just in case somebody tells you this is a deist country, no, they talk about a creator. They talk about God specifically at the very beginning of our Declaration of Independence. It's like one of the very first things, right? 
And, and before that is laws of nature and of nature's God, which refers specifically to God, the Father of Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So at the very beginning of our country's founding, in our very first document, they talk specifically about Christianity, God, the Father of Jesus Christ, the only true God, and that our rights come from him. And that liberty, life first and then liberty, are that result, right? And so when you reject God, you can't have liberty. And so no matter what we do, no matter what you think in your personal life or in the national life, when we reject God, we are on the path of losing liberty. Cleveland, President Cleveland was the 22nd and 24th president, governor of New York, mayor, etc., etc. And let us not trust to human effort alone but humbly acknowledge the power and goodness of Almighty God, who preside, presides over the destiny of nations, and who has at all times been revealed in our country's history. Let us invoke his aid and his blessings upon our labors. I know there is a supreme being who rules the affairs of men. So, again, he talks about the history, right? We were talking about the history of liberty with Wilson. The history of our nation, the history of resistance, that is, you, you see God's hand again and again, because again, where there's liberty, there has to be the Spirit of God. Where there is not the Spirit of God, there cannot long be any form of liberty, which is why we're losing it today. Quote that we've read before from Horace Greeley, wonderful wonderful quote it is impossible to mentally or socially enslave a bible reading people the principles of the bible are the groundwork of human freedom so again you see freedom liberty tied in with the bible tied in with god which is why our founders wanted the bible as a principal textbook fisher ames the man that worded it right they talked about benjamin rush Right? That's why John Jay, our first Supreme Court Chief Justice, told us to elect Christians for our leaders. Right? If we're not going to elect Christian men as our leaders, specifically Christian men, folks, and you can talk about that being sexist all you want, but if we're not going to elect Christian men as our leaders, then we should expect the chaos and violence that we see today, the destruction that we see of our republic today. And, and this is precisely why the left does not want the Bible taught, because it becomes extremely hard, just like it was with our founders. Whatever else people say, that's why our founders left. Yeah, there were some that were looking for money, land, absolutely. But they left primarily because they were able to start to read the Bible, and they looked up and they said, no, no, this isn't going to work. I'm not going to be a slave to a state religion, to persecution in the way I want to worship God, the Father of Jesus Christ. Not any other God, folks. This was not uh, Mohammedism, Islam. This was not atheism, Mother Nature, Deism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, none of that. This was Christianity. And if we don't have the Bible, if we don't teach our children the Bible, 
then it's much easier to mentally and truly as a society socially enslave. And that reminds you, right, of John Quincy Adams' quote about it wasn't so much commendable to know the Bible as it was condemning not to know it. That's why, again, we'll end this today again the same way. We have to get the Bible, knowledge of the Bible, back in our children. It's imperative for the strength of the marriages, which is imperative for the strength of families, which is imperative for the strength of the country. And in particular, if we're going to have publicly funded education, it has to have God and the Bible and Jesus Christ at the center. If it doesn't, then the government has no right to take taxpayer money to fund public education because education must support a country, any country, at its heart. And this is a Christian nation, therefore, publicly funded, taxpayer-funded education must be based on those pillars that strengthen our country. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.